Hi, everybody. Great to see you. Thanks for that. You can come with me everywhere. That's really good. I'm sounding really loud up here. Can you turn me down a little up here? Because I have to listen to myself a lot, like three times I have to listen to myself this weekend. Hey, it's great to see you. Uh, welcome to you. Welcome if you're watching us online. If you're joining us in Traditions, you lovely people there. Uh, it's so good to have you with us too. And uh, before we get to Mark's Gospel, I, I do need to acknowledge it's been a pretty big weekend for us um, in the UK. How many know that there's something big that happened over there this weekend? How many couldn't care less because you're Americans? Just raise your hand. That's good. That's right. I didn't know whether to say this or not because it sounds a bit pretentious, but I, I just got back from the coronation. Yeah, I was watching it on TV in home in Loveland this morning, and it was a pretty big day. Uh, yesterday, the, the ceremony in Westminster Abbey there in, in London, uh, every king and queen has been, uh, uh, received the crown there for the last 950 years. And uh, yesterday, uh, King Charles wore that crown. Uh, there it is. It's uh, the St. Edward's crown. It was made in the 17th century. Uh, it's valued at between four to six billion dollars. And he only gets to wear it one time in his life. That's yesterday. And only for half of the ceremony. Some of you who watched it said he came out with a crown. Now, that was a different crown. I mean, if you're going to have crowns, you need... You need who among us doesn't need a spare crown, right? And so uh, he wore uh, that crown, and then he came out with the imperial state crown. Queen Elizabeth called that her party hat, which I think is kind of cute. And then in the coronation chair is the Stone of Scone. Uh, there's a Celtic myth that this stone was the pillow upon which Jacob laid his head when he had the vision of angels. Uh, if that's true, how do they know, is my question. And uh, it's been used, it was used by Scottish kings until King Edward I in 1296, the English king, he stole it, and it's been in Westminster Abbey. And then in 1950, a bunch of Scottish students stole it back and took it to Scotland, and now it's returned to Westminster Abbey um, for the coronation, and, uh, but it has to go back to Scotland um, the day after. So what has any of this got to do with Mark's gospel? And the answer is everything. You see, today we're going to look at life-changing hope, and we're going to look at a rather spooky story about a man who'd lived a real, really tragic life. But the main thrust of this story is to talk to us about a king. Not a king, but the king. And as we look at this story, Mark desperately wants us to know that Jesus is king of kings. Now, we're not an amen church particularly here. Amen. I mean, well, we weren't. <laughs> but I want you to really come with me in this. And if you feel compelled to give me an amen or something, and I'll tell you why, it's not because I need to be cheered up. But we are pressing into something here today. I want to say that today, people are going to come running to Jesus for the first time. And I want to declare that today, people are going to take steps out of addiction for the very first time. We declare it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
So I need you to come with me as we look at this story, because this Jesus, he's the king over the storm. We saw that last week. This week we see he's the king who has power over demonic forces, and he wants to be our king too. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5, and Mark deliberately uses words to linguistically create tension. So we're going to do something just a little bit creative in this first part of the reading. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me? Jesus, son of the most high God, in God's name don't torture me, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. If you're like me, you don't like scary moments in movies. Kay and I do not watch horror stuff, but we both share the same response when it's a bit scary. What we do is we watch the movie through our fingers. <laughs> Anybody else do that? The music gets a little scary, and suddenly I feel the tension, and I want to know what's going to happen, but I want to be able to edit the whole thing with my fingers. And it's amazing how movie makers can create tension with a bit of music. I mean, I'm going to now, I've never done this before in Timberline apart from last night, um, I'm now going to sing for you. That was a weak response. I am now going to sing for you. Thank you for the sincerity of that response. With just a soundtrack, suddenly tension is built. And here's a sample. Are you ready? Get ready. This is epic. Dun -dun. I'll do it again. It's so powerful. Some of you are going to raise your hands right then during that moment. Dun -dun. What's that from? Jaws. We say jaws. Everyone say jaws. Jaws. It hurts my jaws to say it like you say it. Jaws. Just with two notes, suddenly we feel tense. And that's exactly what Mark is doing here. He's using words to paint a picture of darkness 
terror. He wants us to know how bad things were. What do we learn as we look at this story? First of all, we learn that darkness is real. Darkness is real. It's a it's a nighttime story, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. But this happens at the end of a long day. The disciples are exhausted. They've navigated the storm. It's at night. Anybody else like me, you wake up in the middle of the night and you start worrying about stuff and your problems seem five times bigger than they actually are. Anyone experience that? Raise your hand if you have. Anyone never raise your hand, whatever the question is, just raise your hand. <laughs> Leon Rolston talks about, Rustin talks about the dark colony of the night. This is a darkness story. Anyone noticed recently how many movies there are that focus on demons and witchcraft? It's everywhere. What's with the preoccupation? I mean, at one level, the preoccupation with the occult shows that people are searching for something bigger than themselves. The trouble is they are sipping in a poisoned well when they go to the occult. TikTok, for those who don't know what it is, it's a video sharing app that allows users to create and publish uh, short videos on any topic. One billion active monthly users at the moment. And as part of TikTok, there is witch talk. And witch talk, uh, the community, these are hashtag witch talk um, videos focusing on the occult, and they have clocked up 18.7 billion views. It is now possible, one of our team members was telling us this morning, for people to view demonic manifestations that have occurred at concerts. And young people now can watch demonic stuff, and I'm talking about people under the influence of demons. They can just go to their phone and watch it. You know what's going on? We're becoming a culture that is desensitized to darkness. And it's kind of fashionable to be spiritual, and it seems like it doesn't matter where you choose to be spiritual. Now, let me just say something. I am just about to irritate some people here, maybe in traditions, maybe online. And so, if you are one of those people who likes to be offended in church, can I just say, please don't miss this moment. <laughs> if we think that dabbling with the Ouija boards, fortune-telling, spiritism, here we go, even I suggest horoscopes. If we think that's a good idea, we are deluded. God speaks in the strongest terms about occult involvement. In the Old Testament, it is aligned with some of the worst practices like bestiality. That's where it's lined up in God's thinking. And it isn't, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, because there's nothing in it. Oh, we're just, <clears throat> we're just playing a game. It's not because there's nothing in it. It's because there's something in it. And the something is what we don't need. My son is, uh, our son is, uh, how old is he? He's 40. He's in New York this morning, riding across New York in a, some kind of bike-a-thon. 
When he was two, so this is a long time ago, we were flying somewhere and he got a bit bored and so he's wandering around the plane and he decided to try and open the emergency exit of the plane. It's what kids do. And there's, it's a red sign and it's, you know, it's danger. And he's got his hand on the handle and I, I could see he's got his hand on the handle and I thought, how can I communicate to his sensitive fragile two-year-old mind. How can I communicate with subtlety that this is not a good idea? So I said, Richard, get your hand off the handle. And he looked at me with that question that all two-year-olds everywhere globally are obsessed with. Why, Daddy? And I thought, how do I communicate, you know? So I said, if you open that door, We'll all be sucked out to a hideous death. <laughs> it was my focus on the family moment. <laughs> and he said, why, Daddy? And here's the reason for the warning. He had his hand on the handle, but I know what's behind the door. And the reason for me being blunt about this, risking the possibility of offending someone, I can hardly wait to meet you, is because I know what's behind the door. I know what's behind the door. In church history, tragically, please listen really carefully to the, what I'm about to say. In church history, tragically, too often the church has treated all mental illness as demonic, and that's tragic and terrible and wrong. But we've now done a pendulum swing away from that where we're arrogantly suggesting that, you know, demons aren't real, it doesn't ever happen these days. And both sides of the pendulum are wrong. If you have any doubt, well, let me just say this. I, I've been a pastor now for uh, 273 years. And I have seen firsthand demonic powers. I have had confrontations with demonic powers. So let's not do the pendulum swing. Pastor Brent in chapel this last week did some excellent teaching on the, on, uh, the demonic. And uh, I just want to say that if you would like to dig into this subject more, that this week we're going to place that teaching. It's not there right now, but we're going to place that teaching in the well. And you can get that online. I just want to ask this before we move on. Are, are any of us kind of dabbling with this stuff and it's time to get away from it? Have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, the Bible says. Rather expose them and find out what pleases the Lord. I'll tell you what, God is not pleased when his people go to the dark side. And by the way, that doesn't just need to be the occult. What is it in our lives that takes us to that shadow land, that dark side of us. Secondly, this is a portrait of fear and despair. There's so much fear here. The disciples had been afraid because of the storm. Then they get afraid because of Jesus, because of his power over the storm. Now they're tense. They're in a foreign country. They're in the land of the Gerasenes. It's Gentile 
territory. And they're in a weird place because the guy lives in the graveyard, the necropolis, the place of the tombs. They get out of the boat and a man runs at them. That's scary. What's even scarier, Luke tells us, the guy is naked. That's awkward. You've got a naked guy running towards you. We know that he's violent from Matthew chapter 8. No one could pass through the territory. He's covered in blood and scars, and he is screaming, and the word for scream there is krazo. It's a shriek or a loud scream. The word is used in ancient Greek plays to describe the throaty screams of frogs. Weird. Terrifying. I, was, I, I like to look at what commentators say about Bible passages and, passages, and a British commentator, we Brits are really good at understatement. And a British commentator says this, the onrush of the naked yelling maniac must have challenged the newly recovered confidence of the 12. Mark is building up a picture not only of terror, but also despair. This man is a captive. Specifically, listen carefully, specifically in his case, because of demonic power. But I want to say that some of the symptoms of me in his life mirror what happens to us whenever we get addicted or under the control of something. His agony is continuous, night and day. It's been destructive in his relationships. He lives among the tombs, but he lives within screaming distance of the village because they've tried to restrain him. What is it that we do that is actually destroying, eroding our relationships? He's hurting himself. He's tried everything. No one's able to subdue him. He's got an illusion of strength because he can break chains, but he can't break the power of these dark forces. Denial is one of the major symptoms of being under the power of something. Yeah, I, I, I can give this up whenever I want. Oh, really? Really? And he's really confused. He says, what do you want with me, Jesus? It kind of means mind your own business. And it's weird because he uses Jesus' name. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The demons are speaking Jesus' name. Why? Are the demons getting involved in prophetic declarations about the identity of Christ? Absolutely not. In those days, it was believed that if you wanted to cast a demon out, you needed to find out its name. What is your name, Jesus said. Legion, they answered. It was also believed that if a demon wanted to confuse an exorcist, they would know and speak their name. And so when Legion says Jesus, he's trying to confuse and captivate Jesus in this moment. Here's the question. We're talking about kings. What are the kings in our lives? Here's a statement, our kings are what we obey. I put it on the screen here. Our actions and what holds sway in our minds, our thoughts, these are our kings. Habits, addictions, priorities, thoughts. Let's talk about something that we don't really want to talk about anymore. We got fed up talking about it. That's COVID. 
COVID. We call it COVID-19, but that's an abbreviation. We kind of forgot that it was called the coronavirus. Corona is the Latin word for crown. That's why the event yesterday in London was called a coronation. Corona, the crowning of a king and queen. I think we need to acknowledge that we walked through an apocalypse since 2020. And that has formed us and shaped us. It's created new settings in our lives. New kings have been established. Now, I want to tell you, do not interpret what I'm about to say politically. Even last night, somebody came up to me and said, thanks for speaking out, Pastor Jeff. Thinking I was endorsing their political position on this. I'm not interested in talking about it politically. I want to talk about it just for a few moments in terms of the kings that have been established in our lives because of COVID, the kings that have been crowned. Crowned kings like division, cultural division. I suggest to you that in a sense, COVID culturally and sociologically was worse than wartime because at war, in wartime, a nation gathers together against a united enemy. But with this, we were divided. We were divided. Hairline cracks in marriages were expanded and they were shattered. Domestic abuse went sky high. Families were shattered. Friendships were sh shattered. Churches were shattered. Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Should we close the church? Should we not close the church? We didn't know what to believe. We termed the phrase fake news with all of the rumors and the conspiracy theories, and we were disappointed with leadership. In Britain, we had a prime minister who told us we couldn't go out for two months and then had parties in number 10 Downing Street. Did I just say that? There was sadness and stress. Over 50% of medical carers in the UK, nurses, emergency responders, say that they are still suffering from mental health problems, stress, depression, anxiety, insomnia, as a result of COVID. It was disorientation. Our young people, they couldn't go to the prom. They couldn't graduate. They couldn't move out of their house into their new apartment. They couldn't start their first job. And the markers that are very important in all of our lives, suddenly they were eroded. Unhealthy habits. We didn't go to the gym. We put on weight for some excessive alcohol consumption. And then new gods were established. Here's one of them. You ever watched a movie from the 80s? It's kind of weird, a New York street scene. You think, what's different about them, apart from the appalling fashions of the 80s? It's because they're all walking down Fifth Avenue actually looking where they're going. They're not doing this. I was listening to a podcast this morning. I'm not sure whether I believe it. The speaker said the average screen time globally right now is 6.25 hours a day. 
Ladies and gentlemen, behold a new God that is sucking us into the irrelevant and the trivial. What kings have been established in our lives? And I just, by mistake, turned my phone on. You see, it's reacting. <laughs> so why not do what I'm about to do? I know it's radical. Slight medical ID. No, I don't want that one. Slide to power off. Thirdly, there's a surprising twist. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave, leave their region. I mean, there's two big surprises here. The one is, look what has happened to this guy. He's clothed. Clothing speaks of dignity. They stripped Jesus before they put him on a cross. But now this man, who had been naked, is clothed. And in his, he's in his right mind. Now there's self-control. Can I say to anyone listening to this, you think you're beyond reach, that nothing can change, that you will always wear invisible chains. You've misunderstood Jesus, because he's the king. It might be that there are people in your life that you love, and they used to love Jesus, but now they've drifted or marched away, and the possibility of them coming back seems beyond the pale. I want to tell you, if this guy could be transformed by Jesus, anybody could. And even as I'm saying this, some of us names are appearing in our minds of those that we love who seem to just be like, so far away. I've got a couple in my mind. We're not done with the sermon yet. Don't get too encouraged. But just bring those names to Jesus right now. Because he is able. But now come back with me because there's a second surprise. And that is, and all three Gospels report this, the locals say, go away, Jesus. I kind of feel a bit sorry for the pig farmers. 2,000 pigs. There's your business wiped out. Anybody else ever felt like that? It seems. But actually, Jesus was making a global point about the fact that ultimately he would judge the demons. He's making a bigger point than a local business. Here's the sad thing, though. Jesus was exactly who they needed, but they sent him away. They've been trying to help this guy, but using all the wrong tools. But can I ask a, a pointed question? If we're really honest, would some of us just like Jesus to go away? It's just too complicated, Jesus. It's too costly. He's exactly who we need. 
Fourthly, let's know this. Our stories are powerful. Our stories are powerful. Look at this. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Why did Jesus not allow this guy to join his team? Because I would have signed him up right there. Sign here immediately, please. You are an excellent example of deliverance and freedom. Of course you can come and join my team. In fact, you can replace Thomas because he never kind of figures it out. Actually, Thomas did, but that's not our thing right now. The reason Jesus didn't let the guy come on his team is because he wanted that man to know the unique opportunity that he had to tell his story to his people. Jesus was calling him to be there, not with the main team. I have a couple of friends, and they're actually in this service, so I'm going to be really careful. And it's okay, guys, I'm not going to embarrass you. But we were having a conversation recently about what we feel like when we come back from a situation where people are doing frontier work for the Lord. And we were sharing that sometimes when we come back from those situations, missionaries pouring out their lives, we were sharing about how it can make us feel like, well, what are we doing? And uh, my friends that I'm talking about, um, they actually pour out their lives. I don't know anybody with a better gift of hospitality than them. Their home is always filled with people. And they have a passion for missions and the work that they've done has changed so many lives and continues. And we agreed with the fact that actually it's about being who we are, where God calls us to be. This man was called to do just that. And our story can be life-changing to others here. Mackenzie's sitting on the front row, and we've been doing some work about this recently, about telling our story. And I, I just want to say this to every one of us. All of us have a story. And, and some of you are going, no, nah, no, I've not got an exciting story, you know, one of sin and degradation. You ever felt like that, you know, someone's telling their story and you feel like your story's boring because you were raised in a Christian home and you never really did anything spectacularly naughty? I've been in that, you know, the person stands up and says, yes, I lived a life of darkness, sin, promiscuity, and degradation. And everyone leans in because they'd like to hear more, frankly. And then after this life of appalling rebellion, finally, I gave my life to Jesus at the age of five. <laughs> Your story is valid. Share it. Share it. What's evangelism? It's a person saying, Jesus did this for me. 
Number five, and finally, as our worship team come, they knew that they were coming at this point, but I said that to give you hope. <laughs> Number five, Jesus is the King of Kings. Jesus is the King of Kings. You see, I've got a deliberate strategy going here. I decided to begin the message by declaring that Jesus is the King. And whenever we talk about darkness and the demonic, we should always make sure that we lift up and declare the name of Jesus. He's the King of Kings. Everybody in this story is begging Jesus. In verse 10, the man begged Jesus. In verse 12, the demons begged Jesus. In verse 17, the locals beg Jesus. In verse 18, the man now delivered begs Jesus. Let me come with you. Everybody is begging Jesus. What's that about? It's because Jesus is the King of Kings and He's the Lord of Lords. I, I want you to know that our worship team this weekend did not know what I was speaking on and they could not have picked a better selection of songs as we've, we've sung about demons trembling and powers of darkness and, and I, I stood over there thinking they knew but how many know the Holy Spirit's got away of entwining everything together there's been a bit of a fuss back in England because the citizens, including myself, were invited to make a pledge of allegiance to the king. And some people said, I'm not doing that. Well, regardless about what we think about that, in a few moments, I'm going to invite us to make a fresh pledge of allegiance to the king of kings. Is that just a saying? No, it's a biblical statement. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 17, the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. We're not going to give the enemy the profile. We're not going to give Him our attention. We declare that Jesus Christ, He's Lord of the storm, He's Lord over the demonic, He's King of kings, and He is Lord of lords, and He is worthy of our allegiance. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to invite us to stand. And then we're going to sing a really old, really old song. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. And He is Lord. How many are familiar with that? Raise your hand. The words are going to come up. Here's what we're going to do, and not everybody needs to do this. But some of us know that this is a moment to kneel. Because maybe, and no one's going to ask you why, maybe you're going to kneel because today you want to say afresh, Jesus, I'm yours. Maybe you're going to kneel because 
there are chains that you want to see broken. Maybe you're going to kneel because you want Jesus to stir fresh hope in you for that loved one who's walking in darkness. Maybe you're going to kneel because you're running towards Jesus and you're wanting to invite him to take charge of your life. And maybe you're going to kneel because you just want to kneel. Now, not everybody's going to do this and not everybody needs to. And I'm not going to be up here going, why, why are they not kneeling? This is your moment. I'm doing it not for display, but because I want to make this my moment too. You say, Jeff, why don't you come off the platform to do this? Simple. Someone needs to be in charge of a gathering like this because you never know what might happen, particularly when you preach this stuff. I invite you to stand with me if you're able. Let's stand. We sing, He is Lord. And if you would like to kneel where you are, if you want to, some people came out into the aisles last night. For some of us, you, it's up to you. You might want to come to the front and do this. It's up to you. Or you might just want to stand and sing. But let's declare and kneel if we'd like. He is Lord. Just our voices. Father, we 
thank you for this moment where we can come and declare our allegiance to you. And I want to pause in my praying to allow you, God's people, to just whisper to the Lord what you'd like to whisper to the Lord. Jesus, wherever we've allowed darkness to infiltrate our lives, wherever there are kings on thrones in our lives, kings that do not belong, we ask you to help us to be those who walk in closeness with you and experience the liberation and freedom that comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We pray for those that we feel hopeless about and we ask you to meet them in your mighty power. We pray for our own mindsets, the way we think, the well-trod pathways that we go round and round and round in. And we say, King of Kings, bring your kingdom reign to our thinking, to our actions. We pledge our allegiance to you. And Lord, for any who today are making that first step to come to know you, and I invite, I invite you folks right where you are to surrender your life to Jesus. Ask him to take charge now. Ask him to forgive you, come into your life. Our prayer team will be here at the end to help you. Holy Spirit, we just want to cooperate with what the work that you have planned. And we give you thanks. And everybody said, can I invite you to stand with me, please, if you're able? I, I need you to help me out. Because we're going to sing a final song, again, chosen without the knowledge of what this weekend's about. You'll see how it fits totally. And I want to ask you to lift up the name of Jesus like never before. If you don't normally sing, sing. If you don't normally raise your hands because you're self-conscious and someone might see you raising your hands, can I tell you, we don't care that you're raising your hands. We love it when you express physically what's going on inside. So if you don't normally do that, I, I invite you, come on, let's, let's do it. And let's lift up the name of Jesus because he is the King of Kings. And everybody said, let's declare it in song. I wanna be near, near to your heart.
Good, isn't it? Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff, for sharing this morning. And if you're someone, perhaps you are trapped in addiction, or perhaps you're someone who's been dabbling in the occult and you have no way to, no idea how to get out of either one of them, we invite you to come forward once the service ends. Our prayer team will be right up here at the front. They would love nothing more than to pray over whatever your prayer needs are. As always, thank you for your generosity and giving. When you give, you're impacting the lives of thousands of people around the world, and you get to be a part of what our ministry partner, UCount, is doing. UCount, they exist to offer prevention, awareness, and rescue to those who have been uh, trapped in the human trafficking uh, ordeal. Uh, Lest you think that human trafficking is something that happens way over there, You know, we live right on the I-25 corridor, and this is a main thoroughfare for human traffickers. So we get to be a part of what UCount is doing. So thank you for giving. You can give online, use the app, or drop your offering in the box on your way out this morning. And as you make your way out, please stop by the Welcome Center. Say hi to Pastor Jeff. He would love to shake your hand. Now go get your cars washed, and we'll see you next week. God bless, everyone.